Well, hey, everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Williams, here in the beloved Delray Beach, Florida, serving the Lord, loving Jesus, and man, glad you are with us once again to be able to grow in our leadership together. That's right. I'm back in my office, made a scheduled appointment with you. I am back from Mexico. Praise God. Uh, it was a great trip. I hope you liked the Bashinova Takeover episode where I gave you a lot of content. This episode, I'll try to keep it a little shorter, uh, but still full of great content. My daughter got healed up. We got back to the States and now we are continually uh, doing things. We just celebrated Easter here and it was great, right? We think we all love Easter. A lot of people share, um, They come out and we're able to share the gospel. And uh, I don't know what part of the country you live in um, or uh, what you believe about Easter or think about Easter. Um, I know sometimes pastors, we get a little frustrated like, man, Christians only or people only come out for Easter and Christmas. Uh, I have an attitude of praise God. More people come out uh, on Easter and on Christmas, and we get to talk about how God is with us, Emmanuel, Christ being born, and then the resurrection, the gospel. And so we uh, just celebrated Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Of course, a few more people came out than usual. And uh, I'm just rejoicing about that, thinking about that, uh, glorying in that. And uh, I know that um, for a lot of us, We want to grow our churches and stuff like that, but uh, it's so special to see God grow his church, to build his church, and for us to rely on the power of God to save. Uh, May we preach the gospel, not just on Easter, but every time we uh, open scripture, may we see Jesus and exalt him and magnify him in a great way and share the good news of having a relationship with God, that we can be at peace with God because Jesus died for our sins. You need to hear this pastor. You need to hear this church leader. Uh, We have great news that we get to walk in. And so just getting, uh, celebrating Easter here and, um, want to talk to you today about, uh, just the opportunity that we have to share the gospel and partnering with others, especially in the body of Christ. Uh, there's a lot of great content I have for you in this episode with some segments, uh, but I really want to sort of focus the theme and give you stories of how God is working when we're united. Uh, for many of us uh, as church leaders, Easter is one of the, uh, they call it the Super Bowl Sunday of Christian uh, Christian faith because so many people come out, they celebrate, and it's exciting for us because we want to share the gospel as many people as possible. But I want us to share the gospel not only on one weekend or a couple of weekends a month, uh, I mean a year, but man, everywhere we go. And I think one of the ways that we can accelerate and be a a gospel witness uh, in our community, in our city, is partnering with other people, is realizing that it's the power of God to save and being unified under him and his name and um, not under our own logos, our own brands. Uh, I was thinking about this as uh, I was rejoicing and praying over all these pastors in our area. We have a group chat and texting that we uh, support one another, encourage one another. Um, Even thinking about my Patreon community page, praying for them, giving them resources, some graphics for Easter, and just thinking about um, just preparing to preach the gospel. We get to do this together. Um, I was thinking about just what a beautiful witness it is that the world can see when we actually are loving one another, when we have the joy of the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, when we are declaring the good news of Jesus and living this life in such a way that's salt and light, it's an opportunity for us to share. Let us not be excited just because on Easter people come to us, but let us be excited that we, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and we get to go to people in Jesus' authority and preach this good news. Uh, John chapter 17 
Jesus' prayer that we would be one. I want you to notice something in this prayer, or at least uh, something that is really near and dear to my heart, because Jesus says in verse 21 that they may uh, be one, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And the reason why Jesus prayed this, he tells us so that in this verse, the world may believe that you have sent me. You know what I found? is gospel multiplication, making disciples is multiplied when we walk in unity with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that could be within the church body, that could be within churches and networks and denominations. But when we walk in unity, there is strength. Psalm 133 says the Lord commands a blessing. And today in this episode, I want to just be real and talk to you about some of the benefits, give you stories of walking in unity, show you that it is happening, that God is doing a work amongst his people that we may not always see, but we should strive for the peace of unity in the gospel of Christ. And that will give us another open door to share the gospel again. We don't need to wait until Christmas or another Easter. We can walk in unity and share the gospel. And so these are things that you probably know about, but I think as far as uh, being a church leader and working with other churches, uh, it's really hard to sometimes walk it out. And so we have a leadership lesson by a guy named Pastor Andrew Lundy, who's a local pastor in our area that I was recently... um, leading worship at, helping him out. He was uh, wanted to help and lead worship, and I, my wife and I were doing that, and he was sharing in one of his message a framework uh, to his church about when to collaborate, when not to collaborate, when should we separate over doctrine, and just talking through pastorally his church uh, this framework that I asked him to share for us today in our leadership lesson. But before we get into his leadership lesson, which I know you are going to love, I want to do a special thing. Uh, I want to introduce you to my wife, Laura Williams. That's right. Uh, She sometimes has a hard time on video and doesn't like being recorded, but we were recently at the Exponential Conference, which I mentioned a few episodes back. And uh, I just said, babe, we need to just sit down and just share some important lessons of why we go to this conference. Exponential is one of the largest church planning conferences um, in the world that I'm known of. It always sells out. Over 5,000 people get together. And um, if you're watching this on YouTube or on video, you'll be able to see a lot of video. Now, I made this video while we were at Exponential and able to share some uh, B-roll film over our talking heads just because I wanted you to see that God is at work. The thing I love about Exponential, uh, I'm going to give you three reasons in this video, but just uh, I love that um, there are so many church leaders working together. And it just made me really realize and appreciate, man, when we're walking in unity, it's going to give us gospel authority and opportunity to share the gospel. And so I asked my wife to come on and to share some things of why she loves Exponential, this conference, and uh, just to celebrate that there are Christians and church leaders getting together, collaborating and sharing the gospel. And I want you to be one of those people. I want you to be in collaboration with other church leaders in your area, other people in community to find strength, to build unity, not only within your church, but within your community with other church leaders and other non-believers and just be able to walk together in love. It does make a difference. And so, uh, 
if you are listening, I hope I don't blow out your ears um, with <laughs> with your workout or in your car, but there's some background music because I made it more for YouTube so that way there's a lot more B-roll and people can get a feel. But if you are listening, I think it's still beneficial. The audio uh, was a, is a one-take wonder outside and things were happening, but I think it's going to be beneficial for us in this lesson as we start talking about working together. Uh, man, it is a blessing to be able to work together in the body of Christ and that will give us a gospel witness. So check out this video on Exponential, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about our leadership lessons, some one piece of advice video. I have a book recommendation this episode and just uh, share a few stories of gospel collaboration that are very near and dear to my heart and that I see and can rejoice in with you on this episode. So here's this video from Exponential. I'm Daniel, and this is my wife, Laura, and this is why we love the Exponential Conference. Well, hey everyone, we're here in sunny South Florida, in Orlando, Central Florida, for the Exponential Conference. We've been coming to this conference for about the last 10 years, and I wanna give you three reasons why we love Exponential. The first is community. You know, one thing that they always say about Exponential is it's a uh, community with a cause, not just a conference. And it is incredible to be able to be around so many like-minded people that want to see Jesus famous, plant churches, see people come to know the Lord and be discipled, and just to know uh, that you were surrounded by other, other like-minded people. For you, Laura, what does it look like for you and why do you think community is such an important piece of coming to this conference year after year? Um, I feel like since we planted a church 10 years ago, it'd be easy to wonder why we keep coming back to basically what's a church planners conference. And for me, it's just so encouraging to see how God is continuing to work and um, there's so many new people here every single time that we come. They ask every people year. to raise their hands if it's your first time here. There's so many and it's just encouraging to me to feel like we're not alone. Um, we're not doing something that we're the only ones out there doing it. There's this community of people that understand and the messages are like fine-tuned to people that love Jesus and want to see his name preached. Um, so it's just super encouraging. I love it. Yeah, and love being a part of a community that's has a cause, a mission. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all here for the name of Jesus, to exalt him, to church plant, to let people know about who he is. And it pumps us up for our faith. Even years after planning, we wanna continue to plan, continue to be um, with people that are like-minded. And that goes to the second reason of why we love coming to this conference is because of the diversity. You're around yeah. people that are different than you. Mm -hmm. uh, we sat next to a regional director of the Anabaptists. Uh, of all the nation right next to us and then uh, this workshop you're with network leaders you're with uh, people that are um, just of all different ethnicities denominations different countries uh, different nationalities people oh yeah. come from all over the world for this conference which we feel very fortunate because we live only a few hours away so we get to hop in our car and drive here it's ridiculous but people come from all over the world to be here and it's awesome to be around people speaking different languages, all lifting up the name of Jesus. Yep. Um, I love that. Yeah, uh, I love being able to see the diversity in um, not just the theological camps, but just even in the age. You see a lot of young people, yeah. old people. Um, man, it's just incredible. And that's one thing about Exponential. They have the major uh, <clears throat> conference, uh, worship, main sessions, but then literally there are hundreds hundreds of workshops yep and so one year uh, last year we found ourselves in just Larry Osborne's workshop the track of just gleaning from wisdom 
uh, not even really anything about church planning, just loving Jesus. This year, uh, network leadership. Uh, the year before that, it's something else. It's like there's always a so place many. where you could find and glean wisdom from. And I love that diversity within the body of Christ and how they demonstrate that in a practical way. Uh, the third thing is, even though they're a community with a cause, they're very diverse, diversified, uh, it all has a focus. It's yep. all about Jesus. Uh, I love the focus of Exponential and how they point you to Jesus mm -hmm. and uh, you're able to see um, Him work in such special ways. What about for you for the, the focus aspect of Exponential and how you've seen the theme over and over and over and over again apply and help you? I think it's just a good reminder. It anchors you in what's important and for me every year I um, we come to this conference and leave just feeling built up and and refocused like these are the things that matter. This is what we're about. This is what Jesus is about. And um, yeah, it's really great. Yeah. And one thing I love about even the focus of like, we just uh, got done with the last session. Every year there's a commissioning service. Mm -hmm. Every year they tell you sign up before it signs out. You really got to make the step to focus in your own life. That's why I love coming to conferences. It's one thing that builds me up, encourages me. And literally to be able to say, I'm going to just commit uh, to planning a church, commit to coming to a conference, commit to being around people that are diversified, different than me. Uh, to be a part of a community with a cause has been so beneficial for our church planning journey and not only us yeah. planning churches, but uh, planning uh, churches that are healthy, that love Jesus and stay committed to the cause. This year was about evangelism. Mm -hmm. And you would think, oh man, why even talk about that? No, we're talking about it because there's so many new people coming to faith uh, coming to the exponential conference plan they just keep on they keep on focusing on Jesus and pointing others to people to Jesus I love yeah. that about the leadership Dave Ferguson uh, for the last 10 years has been preaching and drumming the same uh, drum and it's been a blessing to be a part of it and encouraged by it any last thoughts and encouragement from this conference one other thing that I love about this conference is the worship um, is really special and they talked today at this last session about how um, it's different worship leaders from all these different places around the nation that come together and um, it's not one you know celebrity worship team that's coming it's just people that have a heart to worship and um, and it's awesome the the um, the times that we spend in worship it doesn't feel like a show or a production it's just an opportunity to get to praise God with other people and um, I really love the worship. Yeah, the worship is solid, especially for a lot of church plants. And, um, you know, we've been a small community church in our area in Delray Beach, uh, 40 to 50 adults and seeing people and seeing fruit. And it's been an amazing blessing, but it's just different. Yeah. Be able to come into a space with 5,000 other people worshiping God. It's really powerful. That are on fire for the Lord. Um, it's incredible. I even met someone this year uh, in a workshop. He said, I just got saved two years ago and I just want other people to know about Jesus. And that right there alone was worth the ticket. Yeah. Uh, just to be able to meet other people that are passionate about Christ um, and to see that in the body of Christ here at this conference has been a blessing to us. And so we plan to continue to come, bring our team, and uh, we love Exponential and the body of Christ and what God is doing all over the world through this ministry and through us as we participate being this part of this community with a cause. We're just really appreciative, so it's great. Well, I hope that Exponential Conference video was uh, good and helpful for you. I'm sorry if the audio wasn't as good, but hopefully if you're watching it, uh, the actual 
B-roll and seeing just thousands of people worship together was worth it. And it was so good. Let me share another story about Exponential uh, just because I just feel like it was pretty awesome. So my wife and I, uh, we went to that conference and Dave Ferguson, the leader of that um, conference, and really they say, you know, community with a cause. Uh, he said, I want to talk to you guys. And so my, uh, you know, fill out this thing and I'm going to be able to send out a, a Zoom meeting and I want to be able to um, just pour into you guys and he get feedback and all the different stuff. Well, I didn't really think much about it, but Laura, she signed me up for it. She's like, man, you should talk to that guy. So she signed me up. And uh, last week I was on a Zoom meeting with Dave Ferguson and he was just giving this amazing content. And, and, and I'll tell you the truth, when I was um, going to it, I thought there must be hundreds, thousands of people there. Uh, there's no way I'm just going to just show up, take notes and learn. I want to learn from someone like this. There was only about 10 to 12 people in the meeting and I was able to ask questions, get feedback. Uh, it was just so sweet and beneficial. And I just thought about that. Like, man, this, there's this guy that's making a huge impact leaders of leaders. And yet he's still taking time to grow in humility, to pass things on to other people. And I was just so blessed and, and really surprised of his availability to meet with people. And I think that if you want to work with other leaders and church leaders, uh, you got to stay humble. You got to stay uh, humble and in and, and knowing that everyone has a spirit of God inside of them and you could train anyone. And it was just a beautiful lesson to see, man, this guy of this great leader and this great movement is literally just taking, he took an hour and a half with about 10 to 12 church leaders that he didn't know just to go over this framework and even asking, hey, this is something that I'm thinking about and wanting to talk to you guys about and leaders and hey, what feedback do you have? And this is, it was just awesome. I'll probably do a leadership lesson myself about how I learned this incredible framework that he was sharing with us. And I was just like, this is so cool. I want to make sure that I make myself available. And that's one of the reasons why I have a Patreon page and community to be able to give one-on-one -on -one coaching, to make myself available, to pick up my call, to pick up the phone, to call. Uh, I love being able to pour into other people. And sometimes it, it feels like unreal. Like these guys, like, I don't know, just because they have a microphone, they're special. Uh, I'm just here to tell you, I'm not very special. Um, but God, I feel has gifted me in the ability to be available and love pastors and love church leaders. And because I do so many other side jobs, I have a lot of resources that have, I've been able to create sermon series and graphics and stuff that I can give away to people. And Patreon is a, just an easy, good, intentional way where I can get content to you guys. So I, I'm saying this because Dave Ferguson said this and I didn't even believe it. I was like, oh no, that's, I'm telling you this. If you want to email me, call me, uh, I would love to meet with you. I would love for you to be a part of our community, uh, Patreon, to give you extra bonus content, to walk alongside of you, to give you coaching. Um, for a very minimal cost, uh, you can get all of these resources and availability. And not only me, because I'm not that special, there's a lot of other guys and gals in this group that can actually pour into you. Uh, you know, And so I think that if we had a group of 10 to 12 church leaders that we can say, hey, what's this commentary that you want to uh, would recommend in the book of Ephesians? Or, hey, does anyone have any resources on this area with mental health? Man, we can actually help one another out and really grow in this. And so don't be intimidated by uh, technology, a camera, 
those type of things, thinking that um, these things aren't out there. When I mention my Patreon community or when I mention um, I know these people, uh, even if you want to reach out to me and say, hey, what what uh, what is this person's email or I'd like to hook up with that person or get more information about that. We are just servants of the Lord serving together. And if we want to work with other churches, we need to remain humble, looking for wisdom from others, but then just giving as we received. And so I'm so blessed and so honored to be able to be a part of this community. For those that are listening or watching, um, I want you to know that I pray for this ministry, that it would go out and reach ears and hearts, uh, particularly you, to bless you. And so it does take time, but I've scheduled time in my uh, calendar to make space to help church leaders. And I really want to do that. So please let me know if there are certain topics, if there are certain areas, people you want me to interview, um, let me know. And I would love to help as best as I can. Uh, like my good friend, Bruce Zachary says, uh, how can I help? Uh, that's gotten me in a lot of trouble and a lot of good trouble to just say, how can I help? And God has opened many doors for me to be able to help a lot of people. So I'm very blessed that you're listening, that you're watching, and I'm excited to share um, Andrew's leadership lesson with you. Andrew, like I said, is the local pastor here in our area at Solace Church. They just celebrated five years. We were seeking God together. Uh, I was leading worship. He was teaching and just helping him out. As we're on Sunday nights, I was able to um, lead worship at his church, which is about 15 minutes away from my house. And just blessed to have this brother in the community. And uh, as seeing him grow in his own walk in, with Jesus, his leadership, and um, he was shepherding his, uh, his congregation about uh, when do we separate with other believers? When do, when do we um, partner with other believers? What's a framework that we can have uh, when serving the Lord and building unity within our lives and our fellowships? And I just thought this was so beautiful, not for his congregation, but just also a framework for us as church leaders. And I think it's going to be beneficial for you. And so uh, here is Andrew Lundy with the five hills of disagreement, a leadership lesson and a framework in order for us to really say, when should we partner and when should we not? Because the reality is partnering with other people is hard, but God calls us to, and he prays that we would do this together in unity to bring him glory so that people would be able to be discipled and know the power of the resurrection living in other people's lives as they're walking in unity and just covering one another in love. And so you're going to be blessed by this lesson. Go ahead and enjoy it. And uh, I'll see you after Andrew's talk. Hey everyone. My name is Andrew. I'm a church planner down here in South Florida, um, pastoring a church uh, named Solace Church that's coming up on its fifth year and have uh, become a close friend of uh, Daniel Williams. We're pastor neighbors um, in the same community area, and I'm excited to be able to take a moment here to share something with you that's been very helpful for me and uh, my church. Um, it's a framework that we've developed that we've called the Five Hills of Disagreement that basically exists to help us as Christians and our church navigate ministry relationships with other Christians that we differ with, uh, that we maybe have um, theological differences on. Um, we know in Scripture that the church is called to unity. Um, just a plain reading of, of the New Testament will lead us to that conclusion. The first 
um, passage that comes to mind is Ephesians 4.2, where Paul exhorts the church at Ephesus to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's a journey we must be on at all times, seeking unity at all costs. Yet at the same time, Paul goes on to say that there is also one faith. There's one baptism. There's one Lord. You see, Christians are called to both pursue unity while also pursuing theological distinction. Um, we don't pursue unity at the expense of doctrinal truth. You know, Paul calls uh, the church in 1 Timothy, he calls the church the pillar and the ground of truth. And so that's kind of the challenge often, I think, in pursuing unity is we don't want to pursue unity at the expense of, of that, nor do we want to die on every single hill of theological distinction and divide over every minor difference. Um, now, that's usually the framework that's given. Um, whenever the conversation is, is often had about uniting with other churches or other Christians despite our differences, the framework is often reduced to two categories. There are major issues that you unite over, and then there are minor issues um, so the major issues you would unite and divide over, and then there are minor issues that um, you know shouldn't cause any division or any issue whatsoever. And I think that's helpful, right, to some degree. I think of the St. Augustine quote, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, but in all things charity. And there is a, a great um, help and truth to the spirit of that sentiment. Um, at the same time, I've found in my own experience that Things are just a bit more complex than major and minor issues when dealing with doctrine and churches and unity. Um, for us, it, what we've kind of found is it's a bit more of a spectrum, a bit more complex in that regard. Um, it's like there's major issues, but sometimes there's, there's major minor issues. Um, sometimes there's minor minor issues. You know, it's, it's a bit broader than just kind of two categories like that. And so that's where this framework came out of. It's a framework that's, like I said, exists to help our church navigate many ministry relationships with those we, we differ with by providing a broader spectrum of how to navigate those different issues. Uh, like I said, we call it the five hills of disagreement. Um, in some ways, it's, it's informed and based on the book Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. That book is, was really helpful for us just in thinking through kind of um, the, yeah, the complexity of things there. Um, and again, the idea is not, that not every hill should be a hill to divide and die on. And so what we have in this framework is what we call five hills. Uh, each hill kind of represents um, a different degree of severity of issue and a different response over the doctrinal difference. I hope that makes sense. And so uh, what I'll say is this, every church is gonna have to decide for themselves and pray through what falls under each category here, but I'll kind of share with you uh, at least what the framework is and even kind of how we've um, processed it uh, as a church and, and um, navigated it. So let, let's kind of get into it. So the first hill was kind of the more obvious one. I think this would probably be the easiest one. We'll call this, uh, a hill of disagreement that you would deny on. It's a hill to deny on, D-E-N-Y, deny on. Um, and, and this is gonna be a hill of difference that is the most severe of disagreement. What we'll say like, this is someone who is clearly outside of Christian orthodoxy. Even if they claim the name of Christ, let's say they're denying the deity of Christ or 
the nature of the Godhead, of the Trinity, or even the, the, the message of the gospel. We know in Paul's time, there's people denying the resurrection. So, so these are essential doctrines that to deny these truths would be to exclude oneself um, from Christian fellowship in the family of God. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's kind of the obvious one, right? There's hills that you deny on, that you don't give someone the right hand of fellowship um, because of the degree of doctrinal difference. Now, the second hill, let's move from that one to the second one, we'll call that uh, a, a hill to distance on. There's hills you deny on, and then there's hills where you, you, you might not be Hmm, you might not be ready to deny someone as a brother, but you're close to it, close enough to where the degree of your concern over their theology is one to which you have distanced yourself from them. You've created a safe distance, some, some, some space um, to not associate with them. That might be one way to say that because of your concerns over either their theology or of their ministry expression. Um, again, for, for us as a church, it's going to look one way. It might look different for you. You might feel comfortable associating with one ministry that, that say, our church uh, would feel less comfortable around. And, um, you know, but this is something to, to think about, you know. Um, do or don't we associate with that ministry or that church or that person? Um, for us, it's been things like, and I'll just kind of be simple about this. I mean, for us, there's major social issues that are clearly taught in Scripture that if denied, we, we probably wouldn't feel comfortable associating with a church that denies what we, what we see clear in Scripture. Uh, it may be issues of expression. It may be how we understand the Holy Spirit or the things that the Holy Spirit would tell us to do or not to do. Um, there's some, you know, there's some churches that there's some different churches out there. We all got our own, you know, uh, our own quirks as different churches. But there's some things that make you go, I, I'm just not able to associate with that. Whether it's um, something theological, it could be the pro uh, prosperity teaching, whatever it is for you. That's the second hill. There's things you deny on, hills you deny on. There's hills that you distance on. Thirdly, I'll, I'll say this: there's hills just simply that you divide on. Now I'm using that word. Um, in actually a bit more of a practical sense rather than a negative sense. So a, a divide on issue would be an issue that, notice that it's different than distancing with someone. It's an issue of something that, because the difference is so great, um, ministry is really better done separate because of the difference um, than it would be done together. It's too big of a doctrinal issue to unite together on. You'd have to plant different churches, right? Now, what's beautiful about this is whatever those differences are, divide on and distance on are two different things. And we have, a, I think, a beautiful expression of that down here in South Florida with the community we have uh, with local pastors. We all have our own churches. And in a lot of cases, we, we, we need to plant different churches, maybe because of our theological differences, how we see ecclesiology and who leads the church and how it's done, how we understand the Holy Spirit or how we understand salvation. There might be some differences to that that are big enough to um, divide us practically. And another category of this would be like philosophical issues, you know, our philosophy of ministry. But what's beautiful is, though we might be divided in practice, we could still be united in spirit. We could still be one relationally. Uh, we, we'll still do worship nights together, or 
or we'll get together and encourage one another as pastors. Um, we're not disassociating with one another, though we may be dividing practically. Um, that's that third hill. There's hills that you divide on. It could be theological issues that cause you to go separate ways. It could be, um, and these are, the idea here is like, this. you know, you don't want to have to do it this way. Um, the, it would be more, much more beautiful to see the church united despite its differences practically, but there are just are some partnership um, in a local context. And again, philosophical issues are sometimes the biggest ones. Like, you might unite with someone doctrinally on every point, but the issue, like your philosophy of ministry is going to really affect your unity probably more than anything. And sometimes it's just cultural stuff. We speak a different language. We express ourselves differently as a church. There's issues and disagreements and differences that you divide on. So you deny over some things. You distance over other things. You don't distance, but you might divide over others. And thirdly, there's issues that you don't need to divide at all. You just There's issues you just debate on. You have healthy, brotherly um, conversations, uh, even arm, spiritual arm wrestling mas- matches around those differences. Um, these are things that don't have to cause division. They may, based on your context, based on kind of what your church emphasizes and what you hold most important, uh, but it doesn't have to, uh, again, based on your context. So uh, those are debate on issues. There's In our church, for example, um, eschatology is something that uh, in terms of kind of the, the minor aspects of eschatology is not something that should cause us to divide ministerially. You, you could be an elder at Solus Church even if you had a different view of the millennial kingdom than I do. Um, that, that would just be one example, all right? So, but at the same time, I think that's worth having a debate over. There's implication, our eschatology has implications to how we live out the Great Commission here and now. And so it's worth having healthy debate over. Shouldn't divide us. It might, it may, based on our emphasis, but we debate on it. And lastly, there's issues that we, that we just need to decide on. That's the fifth hill. There's a hill we deny on, we distance on, we divide on. There's hills we just debate on. And lastly, there's hills that we just need to decide on, that we need to decide for ourselves um, what we think about it. It's not worth the debate. It's not worth the energy or the time. As the saying goes, we've got bigger fish to fry than a debate over what color we should paint the fellowship hall or um, you know whether or not Adam had a belly button, I don't know, <laughs> to, uh, I mean, you fill in the blank. There are these issues that, it's amazing the kind of things that have caused church splits that were really just decide on issues. Um, and so th- this has been helpful for us. It's a bit broader than just the major or minor theological framework. Um, And so I pray that it's a a blessing to you as you think about being faithful, doing faithful ministry in your your own context. This is going to play a big part in that. How do you navigate those doctrinal differences? Is is it something that you need to divide over, or is it just something that needs a healthy debate? Is this something that um, we need to distance from that person over, or is it just a difference? We're not going to do ministry together but we can still be brothers in Christ and celebrate our differences. I hope this was helpful to you. It's been helpful for us. And um, yeah, my prayer is no matter what, that is the church, especially in our time, we would continue to pursue what Jesus prayed for the church, that we would be one, that we would be one united under the truth of the gospel, united under the truth of Christ. And so that's my prayer for, for, for me. That's my prayer for us. 
Um, I hope this was an encouragement to you. And uh, may you be blessed. Adios. See ya. Well, I hope that that framework helped you. Uh, One thing that I don't want you to be uh, deceived by is thinking that working with others is easy. It does take work. It takes humility. It takes a lot of effort on our parts to uh, not compromise in a bad way, but give up our own rights and walk in unity and listen to other people's opinions. Uh, Sometimes we think that if we just do it ourselves, it's easier and quicker. But the reality is um, the fruit doesn't last as long. It's much better to do it in a team approach, uh, whether it be locally in your church or in your community with other gospel partners to do it together may be slower, but it's stronger and there is a foundation. But in order to do that, you have to realize in leadership, there will be conflict. There will be pain. There will be dying to self, but that's where we get our life. And, um, Andrew just gave a great framework for us to think through, ask our team, like, when should we separate? When should we partner? What does that look like? What's a primary issue? What's a secondary issue? And just sort of asking questions um, and really even celebrating that we're different. You know, I praise God that Andrew is in our area. Uh, He's in Boca Raton uh, and he even comes out of a Calvary Chapel movement, but I'm blessed by that uh, because I want more gospel-centered, God-honoring, God-fearing, Bible-teaching churches in my area. And so it's awesome to be able to see God work in his life and his area and the calling that God gave him. Um, I'm not intimidated by that because I know God places people for us to minister, both together. There are ample amount of people for us to minister to, and we need more laborers, more churches. And so rather than being upset that he's in our area, I rejoice. Uh, Just as Paul said, man, these super apostles, they're trying to take advantage of the gospel and do all this different stuff. But if God's name is being lifted up, man, I rejoice in that. And so I just, I love that brother. I'm glad that God has sent so many people in our area like him to be able to work together. And yes, Other churches have different ministries of philosophy. We're not like a Lutheran church or a a Nazarene church or Assemblies of God church. I come from the the family of Calvary chapels. It's a non-denominational church, but it's a movement of like-minded churches that teach through the word. But other churches do things differently, and that's okay. And I think uh, we have to understand that when we do things differently, there's going to be conflict in ministry and in partnership. Just because it's fruitful doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It actually is hard. And God has called us as leaders to be hard because think about it. If you're a leader, you are going against the status quo. God has used you to go against the status quo and to have a greater vision than what it is right now. And so there will always be conflict. And I was recently in a meeting with other uh, Calvary pastors, which was super fruitful, super helpful. It was like a two and a half hour discussion on how to lead in conflict that I thought I'd bring to the table. Now, these aren't my original thoughts. Actually, uh, I didn't say a word during this two and a half hour. I was just taking notes, learning, writing in. And um, Brian Broderson, the president of Calvary Global Network and founder of that, he gave some beautiful thoughts that I want to share with you. Because I think this is another framework, our helpful tool, when we deal with leading and our leadership, not only conflict within the church, but with other denominations, with other partners. Like, how do you lead when there's so much conflict? It, I think so many people have been so uh, wearisome. Um, by trying to partner with people after COVID because of politics and masks and different views and secondary issues. Like how, how do we, how do we lead in these times? Uh, and he sort of gave us, um, 
sort of seven things to think about that I want to just pass it on to you. So full credit, this is Brian Broderson that I was blessed by, but he said, what is your attitude and your demeanor? And the first thing he mentioned is when I think that in conflict and leading in conflict, you have to have a conviction. You have to have a conviction. Um, we have to have a conviction that God has called us to do what we're doing. Uh, it's so important. Like I say all the time to there's nothing better to do what God's called you to do. Uh, you're going to have some sparks. You're going to have some arguments. You're going to have some disagreements. But can you say that you're doing it because God has called you to do it? I think it's important. People want to know uh, they're being led by someone who's convicted. Even if they, even if they, that person is uh, wrong, I think people respect passion. They respect conviction. And the only thing that has kept uh, him going, he said, was a calling of conviction. Uh, the only thing I think that has kept me going in this ministry of EU leaders is a calling of conviction, thinking that I can actually influence, affect my ministry, my life with others. And I feel like God has given me a gift and a service and a call to minister and help as many people as I can, including church leaders, specifically church leaders. And so, uh, with the little amount of time and the effort, um, I have put forth, um, you know, that I have, I've given my all. I've made a lot of sacrifices. I know it sounds lame, but even today I was super tired. I was thinking I have community group coming over in an hour and I was thinking, let me take a quick nap because I didn't sleep really well. I had a lot of stuff on my plate. Oh no, that's right. I have an appointment with these church leaders. Let's get it done. Drank a Coke. Here I am. Give me some caffeine. I'm doing it. Because I have a calling, I have a conviction. And I think that you have to have a conviction doing ministry and have a conviction from the Lord that partnering with other churches is of the Lord. That like when we read John 17, when Jesus prayed that we want us to be one, that it actually wants, he actually wants us to be one. Do you have a conviction, a calling to partner with other people? I think it's so important. And if you do, there's going to be conflict, but it will be worth it. Uh, next thing it says, you have to have courage. Not only do we need to hear from God and have a conviction that partnering with other people is important, but we need to have courage to take the steps of faith to be able to, um, preach the gospel and be able to move and, uh, with the spirit and partner with people that we may even disagree with or have different ministry philosophy. Like what is the greater good? It takes courage to lead when you're having a uh, conflict. And I think that if we know that God has called us to be one in the body of Christ, we need to ask him for courage and boldness to preach the gospel, uh, with other people. And so, um, Paul's life is full of conflict, especially religious people. And what I find interesting is sometimes it takes a lot of courage to do the right thing. You would think, oh, well, there's a Bible verse about loving others. Of course, in the church, we should love one another. That's an easy thing to do. Nope. It actually takes courage to believe that God has sent another co-labor in your city and not get jealous or envious and to welcome him in and to bless him and to serve him and to say, how can I help? And to, to give time away. Um, these are important things uh, when dealing with conflict. Have some conviction, have some uh, courage, uh, have calmness, um, be cool-headed. You know, oftentimes people... Um, they follow your lead. And in an emergency, if you're freaking out, guess what people are going to do? They're going to freak out. Uh, we need to lead with a cool headedness or a non-anxious presence, uh, with what would be Mark Sayers in that book, non-anxious person. Um, man, 
part of the confidence that we need to have is in the Lord that he will work things out uh, in all things Keep your head, Paul told Timothy. We need to keep cool. We need to have confidence that God is working and that if there is conflict or there is attack from the enemy, that God is bigger than these things. And so in conflict, have some courage, have some conviction, be calm, uh, but you need to have patience as well. It takes a long time to see problems get resolved, uh, a long time sometimes, sometimes I've been working on these problems for uh, a long time and I've seen no fruit and I almost want us to give up. And then all of a sudden there's breakthrough and God reminds me, oh, that's right. Patience is a virtue. I need to have patience when I lead. I need to have patience trying to pursue people in ministry. I need to have patience. Uh, It is the fruit of the spirit. After all, Uh, there's that Eugene Peterson quote, long obedience in the same direction. Uh, When we're dealing with conflict, we're going to have to have patience because we want to have things restored. We want to have things resolved, but that sometimes takes time. When you're dealing with church leaders, you're going to need to have patience because sometimes it's going to take years of relationship to be built before there's even trust to partner. That's okay. Uh, You have to learn to wait on the Lord to do things. And I think it's so important to know that when you have conflict, you're going to have to be patient and just work through the sparks, man. As iron sharpens iron, so another brother sharpens one another. And as you have disagreements and friction, um, God is doing, working that out and he's going to use all things for good. So in conflict, have some patience. Uh, This is one where I think is really important. Uh, He said, have humility. Uh, Half the trouble of ministry is not being humble. I love that quote. Half the trouble of ministry is not being humble. Uh, If it's all about you, if you're just so prideful that you can't listen, you can't learn, uh, you're going to have some serious conflict and it's going to be a hard time partnering with other churches. You need to have humility. Uh, Just because they don't do it your way doesn't mean they do it the wrong way. Um, You know, I am who I am, Paul said, by the grace of God. Uh, Do you realize that you are who you are by the grace of God? It's not only your efforts. You can learn from other people that God has not just chosen you as the gift of all humanity, as if you're a savior, but God is actually using the body, his body, to work out this gospel in the world, and we need the body of Christ. Think about that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Can I say to the hand, I don't need you, or the foot to the mouth? I mean, he gives all these illustrations. Uh, Can Calvary Chapel say we don't need the Baptist movement? And can the Baptist movement say we don't need AG churches? And can the AG churches say we don't need Lutherans? Like we are all a part of the body of Christ, and we need one another, and we're going to reach one another. We need to have a humility about us when we're leading in conflict, realizing that we could be wrong. We need to have a humility with us when we are leading and partnering with other churches. Um, Sometimes we don't like it. Most of the time we don't like it, but pride is a sin and that will cause some great, um, man, great conflict in our lives with the Lord. And that's who you do not want to oppose. God gives grace to the humble, but opposes the proud. Don't oppose God. Ask for grace. Be humble. Uh, Two more things. When thinking about conflict and just thinking about not just conflict, but as I'm speaking, just working with other churches and these qualifications, Um, he says a depending uh, on the Lord, a dependency on the Lord. Um, We have to learn lessons from God 
from God himself. Um, and we have to depend on him, not man. I think sometimes uh, we depend on men too much and we depend on churches too much. Uh, people let us down. We have to realize that, especially in ministry. No one's perfect. Um and God wants us to depend on him. Sometimes we're in sketchy situations just so that we will depend on God more. He leads us into trial. J- James says, take with all joy uh, a trial because you're going to work on some character issues. Your steadfastness is going to be turned into love and some character and going to produce some fruit. So take it as joy if you have some conflict in a trial. Take it with some joy um, if you're going through some conflict even with other churches it's hard you don't have to mend relationships you need to walk in unity and trust that jesus will bind hearts together Uh, we need to depend on him we need to lean on him uh, for an opening of uh, his spirit to move in our hearts and other people's hearts Uh, even i'm thinking thinking when jesus told the disciples to go into a town if man if if they don't receive you then just shake off your uh, dust off your sandals and move on to the next town. That's how much dependency uh, he wants us to have. It's like, listen, when we have conflict and we do these things, either we're going to depend on God or not. We're going to fight in the flesh. We're going to fight in the spirit. We need to depend on God in his ways. And if we're praying and depending on God and asking God, Lord, would you send people to for us to partner in the gospel? Then let's just trust in that. And when he sends people, let's not have our own view or our own mindset of how that's going to look like. Let's depend on how the spirit wants to move in our day. And I think he's going to want us to move together, not separated in all these isolation or these political parties or whatever it may be. We need one another and we need to depend on what God has said about the body of Christ and knowing that we're better together, not isolated. Uh, Lastly, uh, we need to have faith, not just uh, dependency. Learn, leaning into the Lord and what he said, but a pressing forward into the mission. Uh, whenever you have conflict, it's going to make you want to give up. No one likes pain. Let's just be honest. Uh, however, we need to press on and we need to move forward. And so uh, faith is one that presses forward into the mission of God. Uh, don't let division, don't let conflict distract you you may and i know i have partnered with people and i've got burned it's not worked out well don't let that distract you keep on going keep on moving forward Um, these are just a couple of things that i think are important and when he was sharing that i was like oh my gosh this is just so good having a demeanor an attitude of conflict but i think it applies to us as we're sort of talking today about uh, partnering with other people because we're going to have conflict when two or more are gathered Uh, God is there and so is conflict, right? Uh, Let's just be real. Uh, We have two sinners like a marriage. There's going to be some conflict, difference of opinion. You have two partnerships, two churches together. There's going to be some friction. But you know what? Our attitude should be we have a conviction and calling that God has called us together. We need to take courage in that. We need to have a calmness about us. We need to have growing patience, have humility, depend on the Lord for him to work and to bind hearts and to be able to do a work with two or more people um, and bring unity and then just press forward and move forward. And so um, I hope that helped. I hope that makes sense. I don't know. I don't want to like plagiarize Brian Broderson and like share. These were all of his thoughts. Uh, He gave those bullet heads and I was just thinking about how that sort of uh, bless me that I want to pass on to you. And so um, anyways, uh, I want to share a little bit more about um, just partnering and working together. And, uh, this next one piece of advice, uh, is from a guy named Nelly Van Sick, Van Sickle, 
Bensicle. That's a fun name to say. Uh, he's in Tacoma, Washington, and he's actually planning a church right now. And the reason I wanted to bring up his one piece of advice, um, great content, but I wanted to use him as an illustration because my dad pastors Calvary Chapel, Tacoma, and Nellie is planting in my dad's building. Uh, he rents this guy's um, this this church plant. Uh, this guy uses my dad's church. He rents it out for this one o'clock service. And my dad's helping him. And I found out that if we're going to want to bless people and really partner with people, we got to give. And my dad, uh, Joe Williams, Calvary Chapel pastor in Tacoma, uh, is a great godly example of this. Uh, he's helping this guy out. He's had him teach. He's had people go to his church. Uh, he's tried to be a blessing to this guy. And people I've noticed have thought, are you crazy? Like he's a Calvary chapel and you're planning another Calvary chapel inside your building. And just seeing the confidence that my dad has had to be able to plant another church inside, um, his own building. That is literally same distinctives and heartbeat of that church. It's just a blessing. You don't, it's sad, but you don't see a lot of that. Um, sometimes you say, Hey, if you plant a church, don't go to this zip code. But I just want to let you know, that God is moving in these unique ways, that we need to be about his kingdom. And it's a great godly example. And Nellie is a guy that has just uh, blessed me by his friendship, getting to know him, um, going to be going to visit Washington uh, State next month and visit his church plan and my dad's church and uh, be able to spend some time with these guys. And it's so cool to see their partnership from afar. Now, you remember that we've I talked about when Jesus prayed so that the world would see uh, that they're disciples. Um, it's not just the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. When we're walking in unity, it not only blesses our congregations, but other people see that godliness, uh, that, that example. And one cool thing that I'm going to be doing is taking Will Torres, who did a church planning residency with me and planted him in the next church over. He's going to actually come to my dad's church and preach because my dad's church has been supporting our church. And we are going to go and give him an example and say, hey, you know how we learned how to support churches and build into other people's lives? It's from your fellowship. And here's one of the pastors that we serve, sent out people and funds and supported. And now this is your part of this fruit. It's just a really cool illustration. I had people think that that was crazy that I planted uh, Will a few miles away. And I was like, this is great because we get to do it together. And Will is doing great. He's serving the Lord. He's going to minister to people that only he can minister to. And, um, it's just a so cool thing. And I, I just, I want more stories in the body of Christ like this, that we can, that we can have an open hand and say, God, this is your church. This is your kingdom and, uh, and help people out. And so I'm really proud of my dad for giving me that example. And, uh, I'm excited that Will's church is doing well. Uh, yes, they had a larger attendance service than us, but you know what happened was bless me so much. Um, not just that people came and more people sat in the seats, but, uh, I just want to praise God. Will, uh, at his Easter services had seven people come to the Lord. How amazing is that? Uh, and I just think about, you know what, because we want to get the gospel forth, um, the kingdom of God is being used through humility and partnerships. And, um, because we're in partnership with this church, we saw more people come to Jesus this Easter, not just the fruit of redemption church, but now another church to be able to have my daughter do childcare that morning and my deacon barbecue at his church and to do this thing together and to help people just hear about the gospel, man. It's so beautiful. And so, um, Nellie's one piece of advice is solid. It's great. Uh, but more than these pieces of advice, uh, sometimes I just put 
people in front of you to give you encouragement, to let you know that God is working. He is moving. He's doing some great stuff. And uh, be praying for my brother Nelly uh, and his wife Michelle as they're planning this church, uh, Evergreen Calvary Chapel, that God would use him and be a blessing and um, that, that we would see more gospel fellow, uh, partnerships like this, not just in, in, in like my dad's church or my church, but in your church, that you would use your influence, your leadership to be able to bless other people and to serve people. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's going to fight the flesh. You're going to have to fight the flesh to do this, but it's totally worth it. And uh, it's something where we can rejoice in together. So here's Nellie's one piece of advice. Hello, family. My name is Nellie Vansickle. I'm a senior pastor at Evergreen Calvary Chapel up here in Washington State. Thank you, Pastor Daniel, for allowing me the opportunity to share a, a little nugget of wisdom uh, with, with leaders within the body of Christ. If there's one piece of advice that has helped me uh, more than any other over, over the years, or at least that has stuck with me um, th- through every year of walking with, with Christ since I heard it over, over 10 years ago, my senior pastor back in Texas, he had shared with me, you don't always have to be right but your heart has to be in the right place. And that has helped me in leading in, in, in his church, leading in my family and my home. Uh, you don't always have to be right, but your heart has to be in the right place. Uh, Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we don't know um, which risks we take are going to pay off and which ones aren't. We're, we're doing the best that we can by the leading of a spirit, by, by discernment and faith to... Uh, to obey what he's called us to do. And um, when he told me, when my pastor told me, you don't always have to be right, but your heart has to be in the right place. Uh, it was it was freeing because um, we're, we're so afraid at times of, of taking risks and sometimes making even decisions that, well, what's going to happen? How's this going to go? And, you know, look at your heart. What, you know, it's been, you've been given a new heart. If you're a Christian, right? If we're born again, we've been given a, a, a new heart. The old is gone, the new has come. And, um, if that heart is to honor God and obey him, he'll, he'll meet you where you're at. I, I think of 1 Samuel 13. I think of Jonathan and his armor bearer. There's, there's nothing in the text that, that says God told him to do anything that day. He simply says, let's go see if God wants to do something. And, and they go up to the Philistines and he tells his armor bearer, if they say, we're going to come down there and get you, you know, we'll stay put. But if they say, come up here and, and let us show you a thing or two, then, uh, then we know that God is going to meet us, that he's going to do something, you know. Why were, were those the conditions he laid out? We don't know from the text, but it's, it's fascinating though. He set out uh, for God's glory. He set out, he took a risk and took a step of faith and God did meet him in a mighty way with an earthquake and victory and, you know, incredible time, right? New Testament example, I think of Paul. When I think of um, Acts chapter 16, when he, of course, wants to continue to preach the gospel, he wants to go back out to Asia Minor and uh, says in Acts 16 that the Holy Spirit prevented them, that the Spirit of Christ prevented him from, from doing so. He wanted to do a good thing, right? He, he wanted to honor God. He wanted to obey, preach the gospel, right? We've all been commissioned to do that. And that's what he wanted to do. And the Holy Spirit prevented him from going back out to Asia Minor. But we know eventually Paul receives a vision to take the gospel to Macedonia. And he obeys, of course, and, and there's, we, we have Lydia and, and all, you know, the Philippian jailer, all these wonderful things that came out of, of that redirection. So, you know, he set out wanting to obey, wanting to honor God, and God 
met him along the way because his heart was to honor God. And if that is your heart to honor God, we've been given new hearts. Yes, I know Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who may know it? And this is not some, you know, Disney message of follow your heart. Um, but you've been given a new heart. You've been born again. And uh, the old is gone. The new has come. And if your heart is set on honoring God, just trust that he's going to meet you along the way. Take those steps to continue to obey and don't be afraid of making and even being wrong. Paul was wrong about going back out to Asia Minor, but God pointed him in the right direction. Uh, trust that the Lord is going to direct you as well by the power of his spirit. Know that he loves you and know that uh, he wants you to know his will. If any of you lack wisdom, ask of the Lord who gives generously. And uh, I hope that helps you as much as it helped me over the years. I love you. And uh, thank you again, Pastor Daniel. God bless. Well, it's always fun spending time with you. Uh, truly, it is an honor. Uh, I know that your time is valuable, and uh, I know that our time needs to be spent wisely. And so I hope that um, that this was a, an investment, a good use of your time to be able to listen to uh, lessons learned from Andrew or, you know, just sort of be, be able to rant and just pour in these stories to you about how people are, are, are working and moving and partnering together, uh, even getting a room of 40 pastors together. Um, and just talking about conflict and ministry and, and, uh, should just encourage your heart to know that, um, man, that God is moving and he's working and he's working in your life. And I'm so appreciative of you spending this time with me together. I know that my time, uh, is valuable and I need to go right now because I know that, uh, a group, uh, is coming over our community group to be able to pour in the gospel and share, uh, you know, scripture with them tonight. It's going to be awesome. But, um, it's important for me to schedule time out with you. And so thank you so much for listening. Before we uh, say our farewell goodbyes, I do want to recommend a book to you. Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, Being a Christian in a Non-Christian World by Jerry Cook. Uh, usually I give you a lot of quotes from books that I'm reading uh, and give you a little recommendation in that way. I'm not going to do it this time during this video just because of time and I got a community group coming over, but I will have all of the quotes that stood out to me on my Patreon page. Uh, remember, we have a community uh, to be able to give you resources, extra video content, roundtable content, uh, behind-the-scenes interviews, pastoral ministry, uh, and really to build you up because I know your time is valuable and there's, uh, you know, some of you guys are really hungry to have more content, but also the Patreon community is a monthly membership where you can support our ministry to help us make more content. Not only will we receive interviews and book quotes and those type of things, but you'll actually be able to partner with us with those finances to give us a little bit more time, i.e. me, to be able to pour into other church leaders, I'm hoping like you. And so let me give you one quote and one sort of big thing that stood out to me from this book, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, as we sort of part ways. He says this, that the church, the living presence of Christ and his people uh, is to be a force for God in the world uh, that it should be. It must learn to love people, to accept them, and to forgive them. I loved about this book that Jerry Cook, after 30 years, uh, rewrote a second version and basically said, love, forgiveness, uh, accepting people is still important in ministry. He even wrote it, literally a lot of these quotes are like, hey, pastors and congregant leaders, uh, he's writing these things to uh, church leaders even and saying, 
I stand by it. Love is the most important thing. Uh, forgiveness, caring for people. Uh, these things are valuable. And I love his perspective as another church leader, uh, being a Christian in a non-Christian world, how he gives you hope and says, you can trust what the word of God says. Um, you can trust these valuable principles. You can trust that you'll mature and you'll grow as you follow what God has told us is valuable. And so, man, as we sort of started this episode with thinking about John 17, and how Jesus prayed for unity, know that you can trust God's word, that when you walk in unity, you will be blessed. Uh, God values that. He honors that. He anoints that. He cares about us walking in unity. And yes, I hope this episode, especially me rambling about conflict, um, it, it showed you reality. It's not uh, easy. It's actually hard to walk in humility. You have to be bold and courageous and to be calm when things are going crazy. But let me tell you, it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. And we want to be salt and light. We want to have more people know that we are disciples of Jesus to walk in his ways, to bear much fruit as we abide in Christ. And so may you do that. May you partner with people. May you hear these stories and be encouraged. And may you know that um, God wants to use you. He wants to give you your stories, your connections. Have a framework of who you'll partner, who you won't, and go go at it proactively. Uh, grab another coffee with another church leader from a different church church in your community pray with one another um you know uh get together and go after working together to further the gospel uh do not grow weary in doing good but keep going for it i'm praying for you uh i'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback write in the comments below shoot an email join the patreon community thank you guys all so much for your support and your love uh connect us on social media there are many ways that we can grow weary because there are many things to do. Uh, even after this, in this meeting, I'm going into another meeting and then it's like another meeting. It's like, dude, it's another thing. No, this is a lifestyle. Let's make much of Jesus. Let's do it together. And I'm so proud to be able to spend this time with you and to see the fruit that you're bearing in your lives. I want to hear about it. I don't want to just believe by faith as I've been hearing stuff coming in for me and feedback. I've been so overwhelmed and blessed and encourages me to continue to have this podcast, to continue to bring forth resources to you and to help in ways I can. So God bless you guys. I'm praying that you would be able to partner with other people. And when you do, let me know about it. We will talk to you on the next episode.